hear a teaching, Lord, that um, your spirit would silence any um, other spirits that might be putting us in a slumber or not able to hear your words. And I pray, Lord, for your spirit to open our ears and open our eyes to see a new reality, Lord, a reality of a dimension of heaven that we haven't seen before, Lord. Open the floodgates, Father, and let your spirit pour out this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Is this a good spot? Okay. Feels like I can't hear, but I can. Would anyone be opposed if I lit a stick of incense? Does that like bother anyone? Incense, does that bother anyone? I take it as a no. Okay. I am lighting. I heard a yes over here. Oh, you did? Just make sure. Say it loud if it does bother you. And, and there's no shame in it. So say it loud if it bothers you. Okay, this is all, if my lighter works. Maybe, maybe the Lord doesn't want the incense to be lit. Okay. Okay, we're going to pretend it's lit and it's going. Um, and it's, it's all, I was trying to tie in our senses, you know. I'm going to try to mirror this. Let's see if I can do tech things. Almost. Oh, thank you, Jalise. Oh, it's not mirroring. What happened? Do we have to close that one? Thank you. Look at all this teamwork. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was working. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, good morning. I have 20 minutes. I'm going to try to do this in 20 minutes. But I cannot promise. All right, so we are in the final section of Colossians. Can you believe it? 
I cannot believe that I was standing up here six weeks ago. It feels like last week, but it was six weeks. That's a long time. That's like, you know, like a six-week-old baby would be like nursing healthily on its own. Okay, so um, I, as I was preparing for this, could not get past this verse. And so we may be on this verse for a little while, and uh, it's okay. So we start off in this section. Now, now before, um, before we jump into this, just a re quick recap. The, um, the whole theme of Colossians so far is that Jesus is, he's the firstborn, He's preeminent. There's a supremacy with, you know, in him. He was there at the beginning of all creation. And as the firstborn, he is not only our savior, but he is also like our eldest brother. Right? He's our big brother. And he's modeling for us how to worship God properly, how we're supposed to walk on this earth. right? And so he gave us a perfect example. And in Colossians chapter three, Paul talks about um, Paul talks about the things that we need to put off and the things that we need to put on. And so here we are in Colossians four, and it starts and it says, "Be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving." I've been spending a lot of time in the book of Hebrews. Um, really fascinated about this idea of like a copy and shadow of heavenly things that was presented to Moses when he was on Mount Sinai. When God met with him on Mount Sinai in those 40 days, he was up there and God showed him all these things like the tabernacle and the laws and what to put in the tabernacle and what to do inside the tabernacle, what to do in the courts and all these things. And it's a shadow of heavenly things. And so I've been really like jumping back and forth between Exodus and Hebrew, just trying to figure out like what is the shadow and what is the reality of the shadow that is, you know, the image that that is um, was given to Moses. And um, ooh, wow, that incense is burning fast today. Um, oh, you know why? Because we didn't blow out the candle. I mean, the fire. There we go. <laughs> Okay, so in Hebrews, um, in chapter 30, God has given Moses this um, picture of, of what to put inside their tabernacle. And, and in this part, he's talking about this altar of incense, okay, which is why we lit incense here. <clears throat> and um, this altar of incense was placed right in front of, now the tabernacle has imagined like a house of two rooms, okay? The, one, the front room, as you enter into the, the first curtain, it's the holy place. And then you have a second curtain, and then you have the most holy place, okay? And so the altar of incense was placed right in front of the most holy place on the outside of that curtain. And so here it says that Aaron, the, the instruction was that Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it, Every morning when he dresses the lamp, there, so there was a um, lampstand in that room as well. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. So twice a day, Aaron would go into this um, room and, or to the tabernacle, and he would, he would sacrifice two lambs, 
one in the morning, one in the evening. These lambs were no more than a year old. And then he would take that fire that he sacrificed the lamb and he would bring it inside the tabernacle and he would light incense with it. So twice a day, morning and evening. And the room of the tabernacle would be filled with the aroma of this incense. Okay, my kids, I bought this on Monday, um, and my kids have been obsessed with it. They've been lighting it every single day. And my house is one of those like open concept houses where like the kitchen and the dining and everything is all one room. And um, and like candles don't do anything in my house. I can't smell, like it doesn't leave a fragrance. But the one stick here, it goes all the way up into the bedroom, right? It's so strong. And so imagine as soon as Aaron would walk into the tabernacle, the aroma of the incense would be, I mean, it's the first thing that hits you, right, in your senses. And in the middle of the Bible, in Psalm 141, David, it, if you read the entire psalm, you can get the sense that he is he's on the run. He's either on the run from Saul or he's on the run from Absalom, his own son, who's trying to usurp him and take the throne. Um, but he is, is on the run, he's out in the wilderness, and he's praying, and he said, accept my prayer as an incense offering to you. And so David, who was not able to go to the temple or the tabernacle to worship the Lord as God instructed the Israelites to worship, he's not able to go and, and, and be there. And so he's saying, Lord, take my prayer as the incense offering to you. And then if we jump all the way to the very end of the Bible in Revelation, there is um, this John who wrote the book of Revelation. He had this like vision, right? Like God transported him to this, I don't know, heavenly realm. And he had this vision. And where we enter here is um, John had a, a glimpse of the one who was sitting in the throne. And in his right hand was a scroll. And a scroll was written on it on front and back. And it was sealed with seven seals. And one of the angels said, who here is worthy to open this seal? And no one on heaven and earth could do it. And then one of the angels said, or one of the elders, he said, don't wait. So John, he's in this vision. He's weeping because there's no one worthy enough to open the seal. And one of the elders, he says, don't weep because the lion of Judah, he has like conquered. And so he, he's the lamb. And so he comes in and this lamb takes the scroll. And this is where we are in verse 8. When the lamb took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. From, be from beginning, yeah, Brenda, thank you for the tissue. Yeah. From beginning to the middle to the end of the Bible, it, it, there's instruction to us, right? There's instruction to pray, to fill, the, to fill the dwelling place of the Lord with prayer. And I love that we have Exodus because it is a written description of how we're supposed to live a life that's devoted to God. Right? They, they, they set up the tabernacle everywhere they went. Right? And they, every day they had the, the Levites had to tend to the tabernacle. That was their act of worship and devotion. And this is like God is giving us a glimpse of how to worship him. And so here we see this like picture, this connection of incense and prayer. Right? And, and daily, twice daily, morning and evening, there was a lighting, there was a burning of this incense to fill the dwelling place of the Lord right in front of the room where God would meet with the high priest. And so there's a call for us to be devoted in prayer. 
And one of the words that, um, in our homework, it said, look up the word devoted. And one of the words that, or one of the phrases for me that I really, really liked was to consistently show strength to prevail in spite of difficulties. Devoted means to consistently show strength to prevail in spite of difficulties. And I think Paul understood that sometimes prayer is not easy. Sometimes prayer is really, really difficult to do. And I know many people who are afraid to even pray out loud because it's uncomfortable, because it's scary or intimidating to them. Sometimes it, prayer can feel, or even our faith can feel like, um, like a marathon, right? Um, believe it or not, before I moved to Rockland, I actually enjoyed running. Now, it's so hard to get any movement out of me. Uh, but I do remember um, the last couple miles in a marathon and it feeling like, Lord, save me. Taxi, pick me up. Somebody, I don't care if you're a stranger, you're going to murder me. Just take me into your car and take me to the finish line. I never felt like this woman at a finish line. <laughs> never, ever. Um, Sometimes prayer can feel like this, like you're, you're ready to go and you're ready to pray and you enter into that prayer and you're like, all right, Lord, let us, let us meet together. And you're full of energy and you're excited. Sometimes, I would say most of the time for us, it's like crawling to that finish line, right? Crawling to that prayer room and, and you don't want to go. And it's so difficult to go, but you know you need to. You know you should. You know it's, it's better than to sit and wallow in your worries and your anxiety, and it's hard to get into the prayer room. It's like it feels like you're crawling in there. And other times, other times, life is so hard. Maybe emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, you're unable to even get yourself to the prayer room. And I know that I was here in 2019, and I, I, for the first time in my life, I felt crippling depression. I've never had depression at all in my life. And there was a season in the fall of 2019 where I remember on a Sunday, curled up in my closet, fetal position, and it was, the, my family, we were all ready to go to church. And I told Sergio, you just need to go. I can't, I can't even get out of this room. And um, it was a really hard time in my marriage. Um, and I think it was like postpartum, and then it was being a brand new city that I didn't really have my community, and it was just, I, I, I was not myself. And it was the prayers of my gospel community who like lifted me and Sergio and her marriage to prayer, and that honestly is the only thing that I can think of looking back that took us out of that place. Because nothing that Sergio and I were doing, we're, we, we weren't doing anything different. It was truly just the prayers, I think, of our friends. And it's like when um, the, uh, the four friends who lowered their, para, their the paralytic down the roof, right? Sometimes it's the prayers of other people that bring us into God's presence. And I remember, I, I don't remember reading this in Genesis last year, but when Hagar, when she, um, when Abraham kicked them out of the house because Ishmael was laughing at um, Isaac, 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, they got kicked out, and then and then Hagar like ran out of food and water, and she set Ishmael down, and then she didn't want she didn't want to see him die, so she went a bow shot away, and it says that she started she lifted her eyes, she cried out to the Lord, and the very next verse says, and the Lord heard the voice of the boy, not Hagar, the Lord heard the voice of the boy. Our prayers can intercede on behalf of other people, right? Oh, is it the incense that's lighting the smoke detector? I don't, I don't think so. Oh. No, we've been <laughs> I was like, that is powerful incense. <laughs> and so it. Oh, maybe. <laughs> is it the incense, Jacob? Okay. <laughs> That's a sprinkler. Yeah. We're going to edit this part out of the podcast. <laughs> um Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sad. But do you guys smell it? My prayers got snuffed. No. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Okay. Let me just pray. Lord, I pray, Father, for your um, spirit to come and uh, take away our distractions, Lord, for myself and um, smoke alarms and all this stuff that we try to engage our senses, Lord, and just I pray, Father, for your spirit to come and redirect us back to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right. So regardless of which one of these sometimes you might feel, Ronald Rollheiser, he, um, he had seven tips, easy tips, he said, seven easy tips for a strong personal prayer life. And the number one rule, or the number one tip he said, was to just show up. Just show up. And it's so easy for us to get distracted and to say, well, I don't really feel like praying today. I really feel like just watching that episode of Ted Lasso. And so then you do, right? And then you're like, oh, but look at that other show, and they're so funny. And then you do that. And I got caught up in that, and I stopped praying. And then when I tried to get back into prayer, I felt like I was just kind of circling around and, and saying and lifting these prayers, but I was just kind of like, Lord, I don't, I don't feel like I'm entering into that holy place with you. And I remember showing up two weeks ago on a Tuesday. Um, I showed up on a Tuesday for prayer meeting, and I, and I, and I said in a, in, a, in a secret prayer to God, I said, Lord, I hope that it's just you and me today. And then that morning, two other ladies showed up, and it was because God knew that they needed to be there. Because they started praying, and they started going through the Psalms, and started like adoration and worship and thanksgiving to God. And it was almost as if they were taking my hand, my big sisters were taking my hand and saying, Lisa, God, our, our father's this way. He's this way. Let's go. While I was over here trying to like circle around in my prayers and getting lost, their words brought me back into that holy place.
And so there's, there's a personal time of prayer, and then there's a prayer of praying corporately together, and both are so important. And both are like lighting incense and filling up the soul with a fragrant aroma that is pleasing to the Lord. Still, on that verse, we got two minutes. Be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. When we are in prayer, there are two things that, that God makes us like watchful for. In other versions, it says being watchful in it, being watchful in your prayers. One is to see when God answers those, answers those prayers. Because in the answering of the prayers, it increases our faith in him. And it begins, and we think, wait, wait, did God just do what I, what I prayed? Did, God, did I just partner with, did I just partner with God? Right? And then it makes you want to come back to do more of that. Because how awesome is it to partner with the, the creator of the universe, right? And the other thing that prayer does is it makes us aware when sin is crouching at our door wanting to devour us. When you pray, the Holy Spirit reveals to you the lies, the things that are not true, the things that you, you need to be aware of. Be on guard. Be alert. Watch out for those things because they're, <clears throat> they want to rule over you. And then the last thing is that have a heart of thanksgiving. When we are praying, I think oftentimes we come to God with, all these requests, all these like, oh, can you do this? There's this need and that need. And in the Lord's Prayer, it says, yes, give us this day our daily bread. These are the things that I need today, Lord. So he wants us to bring to him our requests and our needs. But if we forget, if we don't remember what God has already done for us on the cross, then it's so quick to be jaded by prayer and to not even want to go to prayer because maybe we don't see the prayers being answered right away. And so I think that's what it was for these ladies that when I met in the prayer room, they, they helped me to remember who it was that I was speaking to. And that's where we have to start when we are in prayer. Remember that you are speaking to the same God that parted the sea, to the same God that, that made um, manna fall from the sky. What happened? So thankfulness is important. The, the Jews were instructed to remember the Passover every year to celebrate and have a feast, to remember what God did for them. Because when they forgot what God did for them, that's when they began to sin, and they began to take over and do things on their own. The Passover was the pinnacle point of their um, the start of their nation, right? God taking them from oppression and slavery and sending them into freedom. The pinnacle of our faith is Jesus on the cross, right? When he took us from a life of darkness and sin and slavery to our sin, and he brought us into freedom. And if we don't think about that, if we don't dwell on that every single day, we're going to begin to do things in our own strength. And that's when life begins like all the evil and all the sin begins to corrupt in our world, in our mind. 
Verse 3 and 4, it says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I had to laugh because Paul is never clear. And so it's funny. I mean, yes, he's asking for prayer because can you imagine if he didn't have prayer and how even much more confusing he would be? This part here, I think, ties back to chapter 1 when Paul talks about the mystery of Christ. Does anyone remember what that mystery is? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Right? The mystery is that is Christ is in us. And um, I, I said that, that uh, you know, Hebrews talks about this copy and shadow of heavenly things. And... Um, when you look at it and you see like the tabernacle and the, and the dwelling place of God, like all of that is, the reality of all that is Jesus, right? And the dwelling place, Jesus said that he will come and destroy the temple and rebuild it. He rebuilt it in you and in me, and we are now the temple and the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. In the same way that they lit incense in the morning and in the evening. And there was a fragrant aroma in the tabernacle. Does your life, does it have that aroma of prayer also? Are you lighting incense in the morning and in the evening and filling up your entire body, your entire temple? Are you filling it with the incense of prayer to the Lord? He collects every single one. It says that they're like bowls of incense in heaven, right? He listens and he hears to every single one of those prayers. I had, um, this morning we were reading in uh, first, sorry, Second Kings, and it was uh, the part where like the Aramean army came and the, like chariots and horses and uh, the Israel camp, there one of the servants saw how big the army was, and, and this servant like panicked. And uh, he went to Elisha and said, what, what are we going to do? And Elisha said, don't worry. God's army is like way bigger than this. And then Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, open the servant's eyes to see your army. And it was like multitudes, like thousands upon thousands, right? And so as I was driving here, I said, Lord, I want to see thousands. I want to see your army like that. Would you open my eyes to see your army? And as I pulled into the driveway here, the song that came on was um, All I Need Is You, Hillsong. And it was a live version. So it was like, like a recording of a concert. And there was a chorus of thousands of people singing All I Need Is You. Thousands. And as I sat in the car, I realized, my gosh, that is the army, right? We, we can be like the army. And, and imagine if every single one of us in the morning wakes up and we offer up some prayers to God at around the same time. What is it going to do to the heavenly realm, right? Does it awaken the army of the Lord? And does it move into the schools and into the, all the places that you're praying for? Does it invade into the broken areas of our life? If we can all collectively lift up our prayers, I think it, it like rattles the heavens. 
right? And if all day we spent our day coming back to prayer, when the incense, the smoke of the incense is kind of dying down, and we go back and we pray again, and we light that fire again, right? Throughout the day, lighting incense, lifting our prayers to God, what it's doing in the heavenly realm. And when you do that, when you're able to pray like that, what I have found is that eventually all of, like the, you're, you're making space for the Holy Spirit to move. And, all, and, and, and pretty soon what ends up happening is, is God begins to reveal in your mind, Lisa, this, this part of your life, I, I'm trying to make you holy, and this part of your life is not holy. I, I need you to get rid of that. I need you to, I need you to push that out. Release that, because I want to occupy this space. And then he begins to do that in my heart. Like, Lisa, th this part of your heart is a little hard. It's a little bitter. I need you to release that because I'm trying to make you holy. And over time, as we pray, there's a transformation in our heart. There's a transformation in our mind. And then what ends up happening is Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out because coming out of the, the from, out from, from out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. And God is saying, I want to transform that heart. I want to make it soft. I want to dwell there. I want to make you holy. And so Paul in verse five and six, he says, five and six, he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I think when we spend and we devote our life to prayer, naturally our words will be seasoned with salt. Naturally, our words will be more gracious than if we are not praying. I recently saw a video of the the most um, the board school board meeting that happened at Roseville last week or two weeks ago. It was ugly. There was no salt. There was no grace in those conversations, right? If we pray and devote our lives to prayer, our words will be seasoned with salt, and we will know how to answer each person. Okay, it is 10.08, and um, I was going to go through all like <laughs> I was going to go through every single one of these people, but I'm going to spare you. But I do want to say, though, Onesimus, okay? Tychicus and Onesimus are the ones that deliver this message to the Colossians. All right, if you look in the book of Philemon, um, the letter to Philemon, it's, he's talking about, he's telling Philemon, hey, the church that meets in your home. Now, Philemon is a Colossian, right? So he, they're probably in Philemon's home right now reading this message, reading this letter. And so Onesimus was, Onesimus was Philemon's slave, or he was a slave in the household. And when he left Colossae, he was, he, he was a slave. And then he met with Paul. And it says that Paul eventually um, took in Onesimus and became like a father, a spiritual father to him. And so Paul is writing to Philemon saying, hey, can you take Onesimus back? Bring him back. And, and whatever he took from you, whatever he owed you, put that on my account. All right, just, just take it back. Not as, a, not as a slave, but take it back as a beloved brother. And so can you imagine Onesimus in that house? Like, I don't know what letter he gave first, the Colossian letter or the Philemon letter, but can you, like, is he, like, <sighs> shaking and rattling, you know, handing the letter to Philemon? Or is he holding there with confidence because, you know, I got, I got Paul as my spiritual father, and, like, he's vouching for me. I am a beloved brother, no longer a slave. Ugh. Right? But he's there, and he's, he's bringing, he's being brought back into the fold. 
There's a lot of people that Paul thinks. Um, if you look into these, it's, it, you'll see there's um, reconciliation because Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, he was the one that um, Paul and Barnabas had the argument over. And so you can see there's reconciliation, Paul and Mark uh, reconcile. Epaphras, uh, verse 12, he's the one who um, first gave the Colossians the um, gospel message. And he's the one that says, that he, I can testify that he is working so hard for you in prayer. Epaphras is praying and praying and praying and praying for the Colossian church. Okay, so all these people. Now, I'm going to jump to the last one because of time. Um, there's three verses in here. But man, they're so good. The first one here, Paul, he's saying, I'm writing this with my own hand because apparently I think there were letters being circulated around that time that were like signed falsely as Paul. And Paul is like, look, this is my own hand writing this. I promise you it is me writing this letter to you. All these people here can vouch that it is me. And then he says, remember my chains. And in this one, I think he's um, talking about not just remember that I'm in chains, I'm in prison, and I want to go out. You guys are free. You can go out and do what you want to do. Like you, go, you can go out and spread the gospel. I cannot. But I think he's also telling them, I devoted my life to Christ, and I'm sitting here in chains in prison. And I think in our Western understanding of church and Christianity, we equate this like blessing to God's love. Right? It's not always like that. The blessings that we have are not always a, a representation of how much God loves you. It could be, but the difficulties in life could also be a sign of devotion to God as well. Right? Remember the chains. And this last one, grace be with you. I did not see this until, um, until I, I was putting together this. And, and um, at the beginning of the letter, Paul says, grace to you. And at the end of the letter, he says, grace be with you. And it actually, if you go through every single letter, almost every single letter, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, um, Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, all these letters, it starts with grace to you, and then it ends with grace with you. John Piper, he said that um, what Paul was doing was that he had in his mind that God's grace is alive and flowing. So as he's writing this letter, he's wanting God's grace to flow to the people as they are hearing this letter. And that when they are done with it, to not have the grace just disappear, but that the grace of God will remain with them. And so John Piper, he, just, he de, um, defines grace as two things. One is unmerited favor or undeserved favor. And the other is this power. So in 2 Corinthians, um, Corinthians 9, uh, it talks about like God's grace is sufficient for his powers made perfect in weakness. So God's grace is this super powerful thing that God gives. And so John Piper's definition, he says, it's favor that overflows in powerful, practical helpfulness from God in your daily life where you need it most. Powerful help where you need it most. That help is also called grace because it's free and it's undeserved. And if there was one person who understood grace, it was Paul because he was persecuting the church. Right? He didn't deserve any of what God gave him. And he knew that it was alive and it was working to transform who he was. And so he was saying, Lord, take this grace that you've given me 
and let it be in your words that as people hear it, your grace that is powerful would begin to transform the lives of the people who are hearing it. And, and don't just, not just as they're reading it, but as like when they're done, let your grace remain with them so that it is constantly transforming their life. And so, now that you have only 45 minutes left, let me pray and uh, ask that the grace of God be with you. Lord, I thank you, Father, for this time. Um, I pray, Lord, that your grace that is free, that we don't deserve, but that is so powerful and that is alive. I pray, Father, that your grace would flow and be with these ladies as they meet in their small groups and even beyond, Lord. I pray that your grace is transforming their heart, transforming their mind, and that they can see and experience you in a completely new way, Lord, or, or even a deeper way. And I pray, Father, that, that um, this transformation is a work of your spirit that is making them holier and holier and holier and set apart um, with a fragrant aroma that is pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.